0: Thanks, Christina. Well, welcome here again. Uh, Thank you, Jordan, for uh, the great welcome in that Right Now Media. That is just, like Jordan said, just an incredible resource for the church and for all the things that uh, we're going to be doing here at the shore. And so we're really excited about that and the many things. So please go ahead and check that out and uh, get fired up and pass on the things that you see, Uh, pass on the things that you see and that are encouraging to you and to others. And and so we're really looking forward to uh, checking that out. But good morning. My name is Jeremy, I'm one of the pastors here at the shore and it is great to be here with you. We're going to continue our study through the book of Ephesians. We're in the walk portion, which as you just heard, there is a lot of imperatives, a lot of things that we are called to do now. And we must always remember that uh, chapters 1 through 3 are all about the wealth of the gospel. And so we've got to make sure that we stay in there. But let me pray for us again, and uh, then we'll jump right in. Uh, Jesus, I thank you so much for uh, your amazing love for us. I thank you that you have called us. Uh, that you have kept us and uh, Lord uh, as we've been studying even as men and women in in the book of Jude that uh, you call us beloved and even in this text in the the scriptures of Ephesians uh, that you call us servants and saints and holy and blameless and so help us Lord remember these things remember these truths as you now call us to obedience and so I just pray that uh, you'll open our hearts and our minds to the things that uh, have been read for us already this morning and as we look into the scriptures, uh, Lord, would you soften us, humble us, um, and see, help us see uh, now how to walk with you. And I pray this in your precious name. Amen. All right. Well, I'm fired up, if you haven't, told, if you haven't noticed yet. So I'm excited about this text. This text is uh, uh, really a big one, but <clears throat> I want to uh, prelim this a little bit. And so we all have... behaviors that we are prone to when faced with specific situations that hit us, specific problems, and also people. And so there's things that that happen when we hit situations, problems, or people. And what we need to do as as a community and as brothers and sisters in Christ is we need to have a grid to look through. And that grid we need to look through is how is this rooted or not rooted in the love of God And how is this rooted and not rooted in the love of neighbor? Like the two commandments that Jesus left us with is now how are we rooting this in the love of God and in the love of neighbor? And so when we are confronted with situation, problem, and people, we need to go through that grid. Last week we talked about the kingdom of self and how we were called to walk away, to put off the alienation between us and God. We are called to put off the darkness, the hard heart that goes on within us. We're called to put off the sensuality that we tend to go towards when we seek to serve ourselves. We end up going towards sexual pleasure of our own kingdoms. And so we're called to put off, and this uh, passage is continuing that, but as I've already said, we must never forget chapters 1 through 3. Chapters 1 through 3, as I've already said, is the wealth of the gospel. And as I said, when we started preaching that, it is the comforts. The comforts of the gospel, and we need to hold on to those comforts because now we're walking in those comforts, now what God has called us to. And so, as we discover the imperatives in this text, let's not forget the indicatives. And so, you may have noticed, uh, but many of these imperatives apply to communication, So you can take a look in your Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles at the back of the welcome desk there. And it's our gift to you. But also on your smartphones, if you scroll through Ephesians and just look through that text, 25 through 32, we're going to notice that there's a lot about communication. And so we're going to talk a little bit about communication today. And you can just see right away in verse 25, it says, speak truth to one another. In verse 26, it says, instruction on how to handle our anger. So how do, we, how do we process this? How do we handle this? Verse 29, it says, speak wholesome things to one another. In verse 32, it says, how we speak to each other is co- through kindness and with a tender heart. So there's a lot to do with communication. And communication is a big aspect. And we need to start with, before I even get into there, is that we are all worshipers. We all worship something. And the, and the tendency, when you don't worship God, you Go here. You worship yourself. And that's why Paul is trying to remind us we need to put off the old kingdoms, the selfish kingdom, and we need to put on the kingdom of God. And that will help our communication and also our worship. Because God has already said multiple times in the scripture Luke chapter 6 is a big one, closer to the end. I think it's in the 40s, uh, in the verses in the 40s, I can't remember the exact passage, but it talks about out of the heart the mouth speaks. And we're talking about a lot of communication, so out of your heart of worship, what you worship, what you hold the most value in, is your mouth is going to communicate out of you. And so whether you're angry or frustrated, or you're just communicating love, it's out of a worshipful heart and a a motivation of the heart. So communication is important because the way you communicate is one of the primary means... By which you go down the road of sanctification. And sanctification is just a fun theological word of we're all moving from one degree of holiness to the next to get to Christ. And when we get to Christ, it's glorification. We get glorified new bodies just like Jordan. It's going to be awesome. All right, so we get that glorification. So the communication, when you communicate as the Lord has called us to in the scripture... Man, you're, you're, you communicate and you can either build one another up in maturity towards Christ-likeness or you can incredibly damage someone and hinder that, that sanctification. And so we're going to talk through this passage together and like I said, a lot of imperatives, a lot of like, this is what we should be doing as a community. All right, so hold on tight. So look at verse 25, I think it's on the screen there. It says, therefore... Again, having put away falsehood. And that falsehood is going back towards the, first, the verses I preached last week. And that is this, the alienation from God, the darkened, the hard heart, the ignorance, the sensuality, lifestyle, the greedy to practice every impurity. And we're called to put that off. So therefore, having put away that falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Isn't that interesting? Put away all that sensuality and what does God say? Speak truth. Speak truth is the, is the kickback from the sensuality and the, the division that you have before God. And so this is a big deal. We need to speak honestly with one another. Paul here is not having a prohibition against lying, but Paul is arguing for the presence of information and truth for the presence of information and truth. There's a clear calling to be honest in the scripture. And it says why in that same text, it says for we are members one of another. So we need to speak honestly with one another and we need, to tru- we need truth because we are all members of one of another. And so part of speaking truth to one another is self-disclosure is disclosing the things that are going on inside of your heart. Because remember, your heart is worshiping something. And so we need to be self-disclosures of what is going on within our heart by way of communication, by way of humility and gentleness and patience, which we saw in chapter 4, verse 1. And so this self-disclosure is incredibly important. But however, as we all know, that we're all sinful and evil and nasty, right? Sin brings division. Sin brings division. And we've talked about this. I've said this over and over again. And I'm going to continue to say it over and over again, as long as I'm behind this pulpit, is that there is a interpersonal relationship, brokenness between you and I. There's a, there's a brokenness between you and God. That's what we just discovered last week. And that's what we're called to put off that alienation before God. And there's also an intrapersonal relationship fracture that an image bearer of God has issues with God who resides in me. So there's a battle that's going on in all of us. And so this is what sin does. This is the, the idea of sin. And we see this in Genesis 2, where Genesis 2, before the fall, before sin entered into our creation, we see you have the rule of unity and honesty. That's the rule of Genesis 1 and 2, unity and in honesty, Genesis 3 enters in the rule of shame, concealment and division that comes with deception, right? We deceive one another. We don't disclose what is going on inside of us. And so there's all kinds of sin issue that we need to attack and it just continues, right? Like, like Proverbs 18.1, it's on the screen there. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he actually breaks out against all sound judgment. This is a worship of self. When you isolate from one another in community, that's why we're pumping community groups and you got to get into community. You got to speak into one another's lives. You got to self-disclose what is going on inside of us. Because if we isolate, we're actually According to Scripture, it says right there, you're, he breaks out against all sound judgment. You're not allowing other people to see what is going on inside of your heart in the heart of worship, and so Jesus saved us from this by redeeming us, and Jesus' redemption and rede- re- redemption for us, and brought us back to the rule of unity and honesty. This is what Jesus did on the cross. He, he, he reformed the garden. He, he, he's bringing us back to a, a unity with the, the Father to making it his right again, to have right relationship instead of alienation. And so this is the whole plan of Christ, to pay for the sins so that we can have that unity back, that unity and honesty, and that's the kingdom of God coming to this earth. And the beauty is the local church ought to be an example of this. It ought to be. But yet, we have division, right? We have talk amongst, behind closed doors rather than self-disclosure. We have, we, 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 instead of honesty in, in conversation, we isolate. And so we ought to love one another and know one another deeply and have the freedom to come to one another and speak truth, but not for the sake of division, but for the sake of unity. See, this doesn't mean we aren't going to have friction because we're all sinful, every one of us, and that's where we need to start. We need to start going after our own heart first. Like look at James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It's on the screen there. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? This is a great marital passage, all right? So why are you fighting, basically, James says. It's a great question. And then he goes on to ask another question. Is it not this... That your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so out of the heart comes murder. This is who we are. The Bible is very clear. The passion of your heart's desire, that's why you're fighting. That's why you're angry. That's why you're murderous. It's not because of the situation or the problem because of our heart, the disposition of our heart, the worship of whatever we're worshiping, and we get angry. And so this is the, the matter of what is going on. So marriage is also an example of this form of unity. Marriage ought to embody the reality where we do not have to conceal ourselves anymore. And many of you are married here in this room or on the way there. And there should be an openness an honesty, and honesty in the church and Christ are the example of this and marriage. The bride and the groom, we ought to be self-disclosing with one another. What is going on inside of our heart and come with confession as we're going to talk about here soon. But let us all no longer live under the rule of concealment and deceit but move towards honesty and unity. And Paul just mentioned in the same chapter, verses uh, 5 and 6, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This is Jesus' plan to bring unity and honesty back towards the church and towards one another. And so we are called to battle for this. This is something to fight for, unity. Not division, not isolation, but unity. So the real problem in communication is, is the argument underneath what is actually being said. Let me repeat that. The real problem is the argument underneath what is actually being said. And that takes a lot of hard work to see what that is actually going on under there. And we need each other because then we're not getting the sound judgment from other people. So honesty is profoundly worshipful and leads us to live in faith with Jesus and one another. But as you all know, we are all sinful and with some sin, for, some sin, like there's forms of deceit that happens. And there's three forms of deceit that I want us all to be aware of as a church. And the first one here is form of deceit. There it is, double bind communication. Do you guys know what double bind communication is? Anybody? No. Thank you, Josh, for being so upright and honest. Self-disclosing, right? Uh, (coughs) Oh, well, then someone said I don't know. Someone said it. I just thought I heard Josh. But double-bind communication, this is kind of a fun one. I've got some really fun slides for us. But basically, this is, I'll give you an example of double-bind communication. Someone asked me how I'm doing. Fine. (laughs) Does it look like I'm doing fine? No, my body is saying I'm not doing fine, but out of my mouth is coming I'm fine. This is double bind communication. This is an example of it. All right. I think she's angry. All right. We've all been there, right? Is everything okay, sweetie? You should know what the problem is. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> you sure? I said I'm fine. Double bind communication, right there, right? And as I feel like smashing all our dishes and putting salt in your coffee, all right? So this is what, I, and you're laughing because you've been there, right? We all have this. We all struggle with these things, double-bind communication. I'm completely fine. Another form of double-bind communication is actually concealment, right? Which we've talked about already, and concealment... Uh, is like, this is part of that bubble diagram there, is the, if if you notice it, the one thing that she she may have been thinking on that screen, and it goes both ways, is that you should know what's going on. That's concealment. I'm not willing to be open and honest with you about what actually is going on inside me, so I'm concealing it, and here's the kicker. If you don't know what's going on with me, your problem. See how isolating that is? There is no win situation for that other person that is actually asking good questions. You're concealing and if you don't find it out, you don't even love me. Concealment is dangerous. This kills intimacy and we need to be self-disclosures. The second form of deceit is indirection or ambiguity. So indirection is like another fun one. Is it just simply like maybe not saying exactly what you're thinking or what is going on in your heart, and so kind of an indirect conversation. Kind of example of this is like maybe coming home and or your husband or wife comes home and you go, Hey, sweetie, uh, just found out that uh, I just read this art, this really great article, and it says like all this, the greatest businessmen and women all have mentors. Isn't that interesting? Instead of just going, hey, have you considered an in- a mentor? Right? It's more of an indirect conversation and kind of skirting the issue. So it's an indirection, it's throwing hints, dropping pamphlets, maybe they'll read this or whatever it might be, instead of actually being brave enough to have a conversation. So, indirection or ambiguity is a simple one, is like right now, and especially in our culture right now, is pulling out your phone and just scrolling through Instagram. And then when someone comes along and goes, hey, what are you looking at? Oh, nothing. Just some pictures. Ambiguity. I'm not being honest with what I'm seeing. And get this. I've said this before, this word, quorum deo. We all live under the face and the presence of God at all times. So who are you actually hiding from? And so your ambiguity, your indirection is towards maybe your spouse or your friend or your neighbor. But yet, God has seen all of this, and he's noticing your worship of your heart. We're called to put away the falsehood and be honest with one another. The last one is misdirection, and uh, let me just break this out. I've talked to a couple engaged couples here, so this is really for you, um, and also for you married couples and those ones that are in relationship. or So really everybody. Uh, but in marriage, there's sexual frustration just so you know, if you haven't figured that out yet, there's sometimes there's gonna be sexual frustration for you. And misdirection often happens like this. And so when you might be, I might be sexually frustrated because of my heart worship issue. I've literally allowed my worship issue to become about me. And so I'm frustrated and that's what's coming out of me. And so instead of actually being brave enough and actually confessing and actually bringing truth and honesty, I go, why in the world are you doing all the time helping the kids? Why don't you just come and snuggle or something? Let's watch a movie together. Why are you helping with, why are you cleaning all the time? Not even approaching what is going on. Complete misdirection. And we all do this. We talk about something else, and the the crazy thing is I've had so much counsel with couples that are so mired in misdirection, they don't even know what their real, true root of the issue is. So these are forms of deceit that we need to be aware of, and as a community, I want to help us in this. And the biggest help is, according to the Word of God, is speak honestly. Look at the text that says, again, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Our next imperative is in verse 26 and 27. Look at it in your text, in your Bible. It's on the screen as well if you need it. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. This is a big one. This is one of those ones that a lot of people know this verse. Um, But what this is really talking about is we need to stay current with one another. We need to stay current, right? There's a really great uh, equation that's on the screen. I got this from uh, David Paulison years ago. But it's anger plus time equals bitterness. I love this equation. It's so true. Because anger is not the problem, right? It says it right there in the verse. Be angry and do not sin. So anger is not... And this essentially might not be the problem, might be the problem as well, but it might not be the problem here. Time is the problem. You allowing time to continue and what comes out of that delayed conversation of speaking honestly is bitterness. This is the result. We become bitter and we become to start telling all the things that we're worshiping and allowing to affect our heart's disposition to the point of destruction. And destroying one another. See Psalm 4.4 4 says the same thing. It says in your anger do not sin. When you're on your beds search your hearts and be silent. So what is the psalmist talking about here? He's talking about we are called to stay current with one another but secondly do not leave your anger unprocessed. We can't allow it to sit. And if we allow it to sit, that's why divisions of the church happen, that's why frustration, that's why people leave, because there's not a conversation. They're more willing to have conversations with other people, but not with the people that they need to have a conversation with. So there needs to be a conversation the starting point of that conversation too, let me, let me just preface this because I've been in enough conflict with individuals based on things of worshipful things in my heart and also in theirs. We need to start with the Lord. What is going on in my heart, Lord? Not worrying about the situation, problem, or the person. What is going on with me? Deal with the Lord. And then your first statements out of your mouth when you meet with the person that you need to meet with is... Hey, there's some bitterness that I've been dwelling on in my heart. Can you please forgive me? That should be the starting point as the church. As a couple, and you going into marriage. As relationship, as roommates. Doing the work with you and the Lord. And then going to the person and going, can you please forgive me? And Jesus gives us this in the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, stop worshiping me and go deal with your brother. Not deal with everybody else in the church because that just causes division. So this is how we as Christians shine in the world today. So if you wrong someone, you don't bury it, but you go and make what you have done wrong and confess it. So often in our relationship, we use our anger to justify ourselves and when, when rather we are to take our anger and allow it to move us to confession, to bring it forward to confess to one another. To love each other. And when someone confesses to you, what is your first response often? Forgiveness. There's a softness that happens. And then you can talk about what is going on. Right? You you set the stage with confession. And now you've walked like Paul talked about right in verse 1. Now you can walk in humility and gentleness and patience with unity and peace. It's a beautiful pathway. And this is what we've been given Right here in the text. So stay current, process your anger by way of confession and have frequent times of conversation. The next imperative is in verse 28. This is a really quick one. It says, Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Not so much communication on this one but an opportunity to labor hard Think of your job differently. Why do you do your work? Like, why do you make money? Here, the Bible is telling us you make money to give it to other people. That's the reason why you make money. Labor hard, right? Doing honest work so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That's a massive imperative. And a, and a massive shift in our culture and within the church. Why do you work? To give it to people. I can't take it with me. It's amazing. Imagine if we lived like that. It'd be incredible. No need within this church. Zero. And I want to get to that point where we hear someone's need and it's like, Pff. here you go. Anybody else? It should be gone instantly. This is how we ought to live according to the word of God. And this is what, this is what like third world countries do when you, when you bring the gospel and it's like, uh, labor hard, do work, give to other people. Okay, uh, here, here you go. This is how you work. And this is how we ought to, we, we've, we've been tainted by the worlds and the division in our own heart's worship. So we need to Let's move on to the next one there. In verse 29, it says this. It says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This is another massive imperative. And this is a tough one. Right? Let no corrupting talk, but good, but good words come out for building up. So think about words that would encourage one another. And I think we all could figure this out, right? We're pretty smart people. You could think, you could probably have a two-minute conversation with someone and bring an encouraging word to them. To lift them up for the sake of maturity in Christ. This is the reason. Again, for roads of sanctification purposes that they might become more like Christ. This is why we do this. Not to be fed blessing back this way but that I might give blessing towards you that you might feel encouraged. Like Jody did this for me, uh, and like many, many times, she does it all the time, but one time that she did, she looked at me, and she goes, Jer, I respect what you do. She used those exact words, I'll never forget it. That made me, like I felt like I was flying. I felt so good. It felt so good to hear that from someone that you know loves you, that knows all your junk and then just says this amazing build-up moment. We need to do that for one another. This is the building of the church. This is the building of marriages. This is the building of roommates and one another's. And part of that is you need need to know the likes and dislikes and you need to listen well to people so you actually know what to say. And this is where the Bible is really interesting. Listening is an assumed communication skill in the Scripture. You have two ears and one mouth. We should be better listeners than speakers. Right? So when we don't listen, there are common forms of personal attack we all use. And here's some more things that we can, when used, just unpack so we can be aware of. Common forms of attack are, number one, exaggeration. I think I got them on the screen. Do I have them on the screen, Levi? Yeah, exaggeration, trait name, shaming, and mind reading. Let's take these one at a time. So exaggeration is the sense of, and you've all heard this before, using massive words like never, only, and always. Right? And we know how to do this. We know how to communicate without using this. But when you hear, you never do that. You always do this. You only do that. What does that person feel like? It's literally shut down the conversation, right? Like you've taken a stance of authority because you just named what they always do. And you're pointing the finger, you always do this. You've literally shut down the conversation. There's no more opportunity to have a conversation. Because if you're receiving that, you always do this. It was like, "What am I going to say that? I always do that. You just claim my whole identity. So words of ex- exaggeration, we need to destroy. We need to, to listen and hear and, and speak lovingly towards one another. The trait names. Is essentially taking uh, an identifier and make, it, or taking a word and making an identifier of someone, like you are a jerk. You are unloving. You're you're taking a, a a certain sentence or a phrase or whatever it might be, and you've literally identified that person with that. But yet in this book of Ephesians, Jesus has gone. You are holy. You are blameless. You are loved. You are a servant of mine. This is what we're called to. Next week we're going to hear Ephesians 5.1. Be imitators of Christ. This is, we are, are called to imitate what God has called us to say. And we're called to say the things that Christ has said. You're holy. Can you imagine starting talking to people and come up to them going, Hey man, you, you're a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You, you are loved. You're cared for. And if you guys, we have 14 men in the Bible study. So pumped for that. Heads up, right? It's like, and two are missing. And so, and you guys, if you're not there, join in. You can join in week seven. I don't care. Come join. And what? What we're learning. We're learning that we're beloved, kept, and called. This is the language of the Lord. He's calling us and identifying us. So beautiful. And this is what we're called to, to do with one another for the sake of maturity in Christ. Trait names. We need to get rid of them. Shaming another is a, is a massive one. And it literally pokes an axe at the cross of Christ. When you shame someone, especially when you, when you have an intimate relationship with them, like maybe in a community group or, or a marriage or whatever it might be, and you have this intimacy with this individual, could like, whether it be with us guys as we grow in intimacy with one another in the sense of like just deep friendship in those times of Bible study and studying the Word of God. And we're going to share stories with one another and get to know one another. But the problem is when you start hearing people's stories, especially in community group as well, and you start hearing people's stories and then using maybe an intimate moment that they shared with you, and then you use it again, and when there's a friction between the two of you, and you use it to shame them, that is incredibly hard to get back from. Like shaming destroys relationship. So these are destructive matters, exaggerating trait names and shaming one another. The fourth one is mind reading or assuming. This is the other person is not really, is not re- responding to what is actually being said, but rather to what they think they mean. And this is oftentimes, this is, I, I battle this. I'll, I'll listen to people and I think I know where they're going, so I'll already jump in. So I'm not listening well. And so we need to listen well. We need to learn the whole story. We need to hear the background. So, we are intricate people with so many things that are going on, so we need to listen well with one another, not assume because maybe they said one word that you connect with. We need to really listen and care for one another. In Proverbs 25, what a great verse. It says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. That's a good listener. So let's be men and women of understanding. Let's draw out what is going on underneath the conversation that we might be wise and loving and, and build one another up. See, the verse says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. Our next imperative is found in verse 30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is a this is the gospel right here. It's what God the Father has communicated. So we believe in a triune God, three, um, one God in, that represents in three persons: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father, uh, all from the past, all the way through the future. Like there, there is no creation of God. He is, he has always been. He's eternal. And So God the Father sent His Son to come and die for us, to come and pay the penalty of our sin, on the cross to cover us with the blood shed on the cross for us. Like blood is a huge thing with, with throughout the Scripture, and it's a covering. He covers us and he takes away all of our sin and all the, the wrath, all the things that we were, all the things that coming out of our mouth over the, this last week and the weeks before and the the years to come. And He's paid for all of it in full so that we can have right relationship again with the Father because Jesus not only covers us, but he bestows upon us all of his righteousness on us, on those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and that believe that God raised him from the dead, you will then be saved. And then Jesus sends his Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, to fill us and indwell us, to build us into a temple that he resides in. And he seals us for the day of redemption. See, this is the whole plan of God, to save his people, to save us from the sin and the destruction. And this is us as the church. So, and so let's not grieve the Holy Spirit by doing these things, by speaking negatively about one another, or poorly, but let's get to know one another and love and care for one another in these moments so we don't grieve the Holy Spirit that has sealed us for the day of redemption. Our next imperative is found in verse 31. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. This is, we need to know your sin nature and the forms that it takes. And this takes a lot of work, friends, to know what's going on in here. It's really easy at times to point out everybody else's issue, but can you really find out what you are most often dealing with inside of your own heart? Like, what are you worshiping? And so we need to know our sin nature and the forms that it takes. We need to know our temptations, be on the lookout for them. Scripture says you cannot exist in a body with each other if you are full of malice, brawling, rage, ungodly anger. This is the old self. This is the old nature that we battle in. And anger has a seductive and appealing quality to it. It gives a sense of empowerment that says I can do something about what is happening to me and I can take and I, I feel powerful in it. Anger is seductive. And it calls us to action. But as a follower of Jesus, you can have another battle plan. Men and women, you can have another battle plan. As a follower of Jesus, we can be committed to searching out our own heart and on these things and when in community, invite others into the search. And speak tenderly toward one another speak with honesty with humility and gentleness and patience see that's our leads into our next imperative in verse 33 and our last one this is what we'll close with it says be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you showing kindness being tender hearted like really tender towards one another and forgiving See, these are all aspects of living out our calling and communication, to love others as Christ has loved us. Like it's just to, to make it really simple, just to practice what Christ did for you. Just keep it that simple. What did Jesus do for me? He loved me. He died for my okay, I love and die for my, my friends. May we be a people, and here's the overview of it. Speak honestly. Keep short accounts confess our sin, work hard for the sake of giving generously to others, that we be gentle and loving, that we'll have gentle and loving speech towards one another, building one another up rather than tearing down, that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit but honor the Lord in our actions and put on, put off the old bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice and put on kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, and love. This is our call, church. So may we be like this. Let us start living through the grid of loving God and loving our neighbor. How is this rooted in the love of God and how is this rooted in the love of neighbor? This is how we ought to begin to live. I'm gonna do something a little different. I'm just to ask you to stand again. Now that we've unpacked this amazing passage of scripture, the many imperatives, let's not forget again, the call, the comforts of the gospel, all the things that you've been given by God, and now we're walking in this. So here, let's just take a look at the words again, in the, whether it's on your own phone or on the screen here. I want to just read it off the screen. It says, therefore, again, having put away all the falsehood, the alienation, the hardness, the ignorance, the, the, the sensuality, Let each one of us speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Let's let's keep short accounts and let's process what's going on in our heart and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Let's encourage one another. Let's think of ways to, to just to, to make someone feel incredible. As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption and let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And let's be kind to one another. Let's be tender. Let's be forgiving as God did it for you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. You've given us clear instruction And you've given us some things to look through and and to be aware of what is going on in our own hearts and our minds. And so help us, Lord. Live the way you've called us to. This is such a practical way to live out our theology today. And so help us practically live this out. Help us be completely changed people as we walk out the gym today and live out our, our weeks and come back refreshed and renewed. And maybe we have great and fruitful times of confession and forgiveness with one another and that we will seek to honor one another through humility and gentleness and patience and peace and love. Lord, help us. We desperately need you because our self-kingdom is just calling us and thinking of ways to be deceptive So help us be wise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.